Glory, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, that you know our name. We thank you and we praise you, God, for giving us an opportunity to come together once again. We thank you for our helper, our teacher, our comforter. We thank you for the one that walk alongside of us, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. And I need your help on tonight. I cannot do it by myself. So I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I, it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Tuesday, we were going over why would God want people to be saved. And I'm going to go back through that because God has given me, through the help of the Holy Spirit, he has given me some more scriptures to break down this um, some more. I was in the book of Ezekiel, the 18th chapter. In the book of Ezekiel, the 18th chapter, what's going on here is God was letting them know. I want to start off with um, verse 2, Ezekiel 18, verse 2. Now, God was speaking to Ezekiel, and we know that Ezekiel is a prophet. So God gave Ezekiel this word. It says, the word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, this is Ezekiel, what mean you that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Now, what was God saying to Ezekiel? The children of Israel were using this proverb, and what this proverb was about was they were saying that when the father sinned, then the father's sin will fall on them as well. So if the father's began to sin to do something outside of the commands of God, then they would be punished for the sins of their fathers. So God was saying, no, don't use this no more because this is not what's going to happen. And the reason why God said this is because what they were doing were thinking that, okay, if my father commit adultery, if my father um, do some kind of sexual act, if they bow down to idols, if they're serving these idols, and um, they sin, then God is going to look at us as well. Now, how did the children of Israel come up with this proverb? God is telling Ezekiel, he said, tell them do not say this proverb no more. Because what's happening is we can take a verse of scripture, and we take that verse of scripture, and we take it out of content, and we give people that verse of scripture, and we say this is what God is saying, but this is not what God was saying. They come up with this proverb um, through this saying, going back to Exodus chapter 20. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. And this is when God was putting the commandments, um, giving them the commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 5, it said, You shall not bow down yourself to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So they took this verse here, and they were saying, when my father sinned, it's going to fall on the sons, and then it's going to fall on each generation. But what God was telling them was, he was saying, don't use that proverb, because anyone who sinned is going to be held accountable for their own sin. That means that if I do something wrong, God is not going to punish my children for something I've done because I chose to do it. 
So if we do something wrong, God is not going to punish your children for what you've done. You're going to be held accountable for what you do. They're going to be held accountable for what they do. So he backed it up even more in the scriptures. See, they had God looking um, like this is what God was saying, but this is what they had come up with. And then in Jeremiah, let's go to Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30. Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30. And it says in Jeremiah, I'm reading out the expanded Bible. At that time, in those days, people will no longer say, the parents, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and that, and that caused the children to grind their teeth from the sour taste. Instead, each person will die for his own sin, iniquity. The person who eats sour grapes will grind his own teeth. His teeth are set on edge. So what God was saying, even with Jeremiah, he said, if the parents sin, then they're going to be held accountable for their sin. If the children sin, they're going to be held accountable for their sin. We know that there's an age of accountability, even with children, but when they get to that age of accountability where they know right from wrong, then they are held liable for what they do. So he was giving this word to Ezekiel. He said, tell them, do not use this proverb. Do not use this saying again. And if you keep reading in Ezekiel um, chapter 18, God goes through the list of sin, and he began to say, he start with the father, he start with the son, then he start with their children. He goes through a list of sins and said, whoever commit these sins, they would be the ones that would be responsible. They would be judged for these sins. Let's look at another scripture in Lamentations 5, 7. I'm just giving you some um, scripture to back this up. Lamentations 5, 7 says, our ancestors, fathers sinned against you, but they are gone no more. Now we suffer because of their sins. We bear their iniquity. So they were saying because of their ancestors, they're suffering because of their sin. Now let me back up. We know that Adam, through Adam's sin, it brought sin upon the whole world. But what God does, once you know right from wrong, he's going to give you the right to choose. You have a will. Just like Eve, she ate from the tree, the fruit, Adam had a choice whether or not he would eat, but he chose to eat from that tree, that fruit from that tree. So just like us, if we do wrong, then we're going to get judged for the wrong that we do. It's not going to be on, um, I done this because my mama done it, or I done it because my daddy did it. Because this is what people are using today. When they do wrong, they say, oh, it's in my family. Um, I did this because my family did it. No, 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 you did it because you want to do it. Some people say this too. They say it runs in the bloodline. Yes, things do run through the bloodline. But you have a choice. Are you going to stand in front of a car and get hit because your daddy stood in front of a car and got hit and died? Is anybody going to do that? I don't think we are. So we need to quit coming up with excuses and say because my family did this, I, I, you know, I'm going to do this. Now, if you have people in the family, they're alcoholics, they drink, they smoke, they curse, they party hard, and you was raised in that family. Okay, you were raised in that family, but you have a choice whether or not you want to party harder. You have a choice whether or not you want to drink, smoke, cuss, do whatever. Because when I was growing up, I saw some of those things happen around me, but I chose not to do some of those things. So we have a choice, y'all. So do not use the family you come out of to say, I am the way I am because of this one. Your 
are the way you are because sin entered the world through one man. But all of us still have a choice to do whatever we want to do. If your friend robbed a store, you have a choice if you want to um, be amongst that friend that's robbing the store. So all of us have a choice. So God was letting them know. He said, whoever sin is going to be held accountable for that sin. So we cannot say that my mother took me to hell or my daddy took me to hell or, you know, I'm going to hang on to them. No, you're going to be accountable by yourself. This is how, let me give you one more scripture. Deuteronomy 24:16. Deuteronomy 24:16, and I'm reading out the expanded Bible. It says, parents, fathers must not be put to death if their children do wrong. And children must not be put to death if their parents or fathers do wrong. Each person must die for his own sin. This is what God is saying. If the parents sin, the parents is going to suffer the consequences. If the children sin, the children are going to suffer the consequences. It's reminding me of Job when his um, children, they had birthdays. And on their birthdays, they would go and have a party. And Job was so afraid. They're going to sin against God, so he would make a sacrifice on their behalf. And he done this continually, making sure they didn't do nothing that they should not have done because he was so righteous, he wanted to make sure his kids was that way. And I believe this is how it is today when people are saved, they're trying to make sure their kids don't do something that they don't have no business doing because they feel like God's going to look at me or people are going to look at me because of what my child does. Once you raise those children, once you raise them, and we're supposed to raise them, you know, the, the right way, the godly way. If we're raising them the right way, then they have a choice. God is not going to look at us because they still have a choice. Even if they were in a home that was towed up from the flow up and um, they do something they don't have no business, they can't look at those parents, that child still have a choice. But I can say through upbringing, um, if you have a home that's full of chaos, you have a home that's full of sin and all of this, that or the other, sometimes children can pick up those habits from that home. They can. But even in picking up habits from that home, I'm saying all of us have a choice. We need to quit blaming what we do on somebody else. Remember when sin entered the garden, what happened? Adam said, that woman you gave me, he put it on the woman. I don't think that woman shoved that fruit down Adam's throat. You know, as I was saying, and I see some men say, you don't know that woman I'm married to. That woman or that man cannot make you do anything you don't want to do. Amen. They cannot make you do anything. Is that not right, honey? (laughs) He know. (laughs) They cannot make you do anything that you do not want to do. So this is where I'm going. I'm going to Ezekiel 18. God had to let them know. Whatever you do is going to be on you. Whatever your parents do is going to be on them. I'm not looking at your sins and saying that your parents is going to go through because of you. And I'm not looking at their sins saying that they're going to go through because of you or vice versa. So that's how I come up with Ezekiel 18 verse 23. Let's look at that. It says, Ezekiel 18 verse 23 says, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked? says the Lord, and not rather that he should turn from his evil way and return to his God and live. Verse 32, 
For I have no pleasure in the death of him who dies, says the Lord. Therefore, turn, be converted, and live. So what God was saying, God wanted them to live a righteous life. So he was saying he does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. The wicked is considered this evil um, um, generation, this evilness that's in the world. You know, people that have not accepted Jesus. God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So he's saying, turn, be converted. I don't want you to die. I want you to live. And this is the God that we serve. So don't make excuses saying, because my mama or because of my daddy, I'm the way that I am. Okay, you did come from them, but you have a choice to be better in your life outside of what they did or how they did it. If your mama or your daddy did not work, do you supposed to grow up not work because they didn't work? No. You're supposed to be making um, a difference. Somebody in that household is supposed to make a difference. So God does not want anyone to die. This is what um, Ezekiel 18 was talking about. Let's go to Ezekiel um, 33, and I want to break that down. The reason why I'm using these scriptures. This is Ezekiel um, in chapter 33. Now, God began to speak to Ezekiel again. Um, between um, when you go back to Ezekiel, um, where we were before, God was not um, letting um, Ezekiel 18. God spoke to Ezekiel, but then when we go to Ezekiel 33, he's speaking to him again. And what was going on here is the Lord began to say, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, so understand that Ezekiel is a prophet. Ezekiel was not speaking this on his own accord. He was speaking according to the word that he was getting from the Lord. And that's what we need to do. We don't need to be speaking in the time of this crisis based on what we saw on the news, based on how we feel, based on what this one said or that one said. We need to hear directly from God. And it says, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, and if he see the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people that whosoever hear the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning of the sword, the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. So what God was telling Ezekiel is, God had Ezekiel as a watchman. When you back up in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was giving them a word from the Lord. He was letting them know that they need to turn from their sin because what they were doing, the land that God had given them, they had to get the inhabitants off that land because they had idolatry. They had all kind of sexual perversion. They had all kind of sin upon that land. So they had to um, get them off the land so they can live a righteous life before God. So after they'd done this and got them off the land, they began to do what they were doing, um, the people were doing that were on the land. So God was telling Ezekiel, he said, warn my people. This is what I want you to say to my people. So Ezekiel was the watchman. And what's happening is in Jerusalem or any place that a person um, is taking refuge, or uh, not refuge, a person is looking for safety, they have a wall around that city. So Ezekiel was like a watchman. He sat on the wall, and if he saw the enemy coming, he would warn them that the enemy is coming so the enemy wouldn't sneak up on them. 
And if he did not warn them that the enemy was coming and was saying all is well, that's considered a false prophet. So what God was telling Ezekiel here is he gave them the warning. He was a good watchman. He told them this is what's going to come upon you if you do keep doing what you're doing. And what came upon them was they end up going to Babylon. But Ezekiel in chapter 33, he was still encouraging them. Come on, you, even though you're in Babylon, there is still hope because God is going to take us basically into that new Jerusalem. You're still going to go back into Jerusalem. So he was encouraging them. He was letting them know, even though it looked this way, God is still going to do, um, you know, a good work. So Ezekiel, when he began to tell them this, God had to let him know, we have false prophets out here. We have prophets that saying it is well, you know, it's okay. You know, um, the enemy is not coming. You know, they're, they're giving false doctrine. But Ezekiel was telling them exactly what was going to happen to them. And this is what God was um, showing me even in this. We are commissioned. God has given us the great commission. And it is our job to go out and preach and proclaim the good news. This is why the title of this is 911, What's Your Emergency? Lost Souls. When God give us that commission and He's not giving everybody, the commission is there, but God want to teach people to be disciples. He want to raise them up first to be disciples before they go out and start decreeing and declaring, before they go out and start proclaiming the gospel. Because if they don't know what Jesus have done, they cannot be a help to the ones that are lost. So Ezekiel was that watchman. We're the watchmen down here on earth. And what we're doing is we're going out and we're proclaiming the truth, the, the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't want people lost. Now, a person that um, don't care about the loss, they will let people still be in adultery, uh, adultery, 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 fornication, lying, stealing, coming into church, act like it is well. You know, you're saved, you're okay, you're forgiven, but they're still not telling them you are living outside of what, um, of outside the way that God wants you to live. So this is what Ezekiel was doing. He was watching. He was forewarning them. He was letting them know this is what's going to happen to you if you keep doing what you're doing. They did not want to hear Ezekiel, so this is what happened to them. So Ezekiel was a good watchman. God want us in the body of Christ to be good watchmen. Watchmen, you cannot have people in your midst. And while they're in your midst and you know that they're doing wrong and you don't tell them the truth when you know the truth. And this is why some people hanging with friends, knowing that the lifestyle that they're living is wrong, but we sitting up there laughing, cutting the fool with them, act like everything is normal when we know what truth is and we don't want to do that. So Ezekiel was telling them the truth. He was forewarning them. And God coming again in Ezekiel 33, 11. In 33, 11, he said, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil way. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Look at God. He's pleading with them. He's begging them through Ezekiel, turn, turn from your wicked way. He said, I don't have any pleasure in the death of the wicked. God did not want them to die. That's how we should be today. 
We should not want people to die. There's no way that we can go out in public. Some of us can. We have our minds so much on um, ourselves, me, myself, and I, but our minds should be focused on kingdom business. Everywhere we go, we should say, God, there should be someone in this place that don't know you as Lord. Lord, allow me, give me an unction, let me know who I need to minister to because now is the time of salvation. We should not let anybody get out of our midst without telling them the good news concerning Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Why? Because we have the heart of God. We want everything that God wants. Our way should be his way because we have the nature of God. Our heart should be crying out and saying, God, you know, it's people out here that need you as their Lord, that need you as their Savior. God, I laid myself aside, and here I am, Lord. Open my eyes and allow me to see what you would have for me to see. This is what Ezekiel was doing. Ezekiel was telling them, you know, now is the time. Now is the time. You're in this. You need to come out of this. God is calling you unto himself. They were not listening. They got captured. They went into Babylon. If you read in Ezekiel 33, this is what was happening. And I believe all of us are familiar with this. Somebody will tell you over and over again, do not do that. If you do that, you're going to go through this from doing that. But some people look at what's happening in front of them, and it looks so good, and it tastes so good that they just don't pay you no attention. It's like, oh, I'm okay. I'll be okay. I'm all right. But when it hits, you're in a place now where you're saying you're knocking on that prophet's door. You're knocking on the door of someone that told you not to. Now you're saying, I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Tell me what, what was God saying. You're saying it with your lips, but your heart is still far from him. This is what Ezekiel 33 was saying. They said that they wanted to hear Ezekiel, but still they were hearing, but God said they're not doers. So you can hear this word. If you're not doing the word, it's like you never heard the word. So once we become born again and we go into the word of God, our lifestyle should change. We should not have the same lifestyle. Why? Because our heart have changed. Our heart is for God. The commandments is in our heart. We have the nature of God. Nobody have to tell us, don't do this or don't do that. It is our nature. It is our way of living to say, that's not who I am. I don't do that no more. I don't go in these places no more. I don't act like this no more. Then there's a separation from who you used to hang with. And before you even, you saying, Lord, that's not me no more. And you feel so free in saying all of these things. So you know a change has taken place when it's like, I don't want to do that no more. So these people here, they were ready now to hear Ezekiel, but they were coming to him with the wrong heart. So this is what God is telling us. God said, I don't want nobody to die. I want y'all to hear it tonight. God said he don't want nobody to die. He's saying, turn, turn. And he's giving you the word tonight, letting you know he don't want you left in that. And I have to say this again. When you get the nature of God, when you become born again, it is no longer you that live. It's Christ who lives in you. You're going to want what he wants. You want to do what he does. You don't tolerate sin no more because you don't have that nature in you. If you're still tolerating sin, check your salvation. If you still love doing what you used to do, if you're still trying to get attention, y'all come on. 
this is nothing but truth because the day I accepted Jesus Christ, I considered myself not being a bad person anyway, but I was. I didn't party. I didn't um, hang out. I did sneak out, but I didn't hang out. Didn't know how to do all them dances. Didn't know how to drink, smoke. Didn't know how to curse. So, you know, you're thinking, I'm okay. I'm better than that sinner. No, I still was a sinner at that time. But I just didn't do what everybody done. But the moment I accepted Jesus, I knew that change had really come into my life. It was just like, it was just me and him. Everything just began to change. Some things that I desired, I didn't desire them no more. And I'm going to give you an example. My husband, I used to follow him all the time. Every race he went to, I wanted to go to that race. Everything he did, I wanted to do. But when I grabbed hold to the word of God, it was like, see ya. It didn't matter no more because I had life. And I never had that type of life until I grabbed hold to the word of God. So my life began to change. Your nature began to change. And the things that are trying to grab you, whether it's lust, having a desire for a man or for a woman, and you know there's a pull on you. You, it, deep down inside, you're saying, that's not me no more. So you fleeing from that stuff. And then you get into the word of God, and you're crying out and saying, God, I don't want that life no more. This is not how I want it to be. This is how it should be when you are born again. There should not be any compromise because you have the nature of God. The nature that's in you hates sin, y'all. I'm going to say it again. The nature that's in you hates sin. The nature that's in you will not walk by your brother and sister with an attitude without stopping and apologizing and say, forgive me for my attitude because you have the characteristics of God. The nature in you will be a forgiving and a loving person. You cannot stay in front of a person and have a grudge without calling them or without stopping and saying, you know what, we need to talk. I have an issue with you. Because that's the nature that's in you. And if you're not doing that and you saying that you love Jesus, then you need to say, wait a minute, Lord, my heart has become so hard that I'm more sensitive to this unforgiveness than I am to you. And that's why we have to stay in the word of God. But what I'm doing tonight is letting everybody know that God don't want to see anyone lost. God wants everybody to repent. He wants people to turn, have a change, of, a change of heart. Their mind has to be changed. How does it change? Through this gospel, through the good news. The enemy does not want this gospel to go forth. So that's why Ezekiel was letting them know way in advance what was going to happen if they kept doing what they were doing. And it did happen. And guess what? They looked at Ezekiel for who he already was, a prophet, a mouthpiece for God. So God was letting them know, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil way. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God loved them just that much, and he loved us just that much today. So God is saying, you don't have to stay, stay in your sin. God has already made a way for you through his son, Jesus Christ. We went over also 1 Timothy 2.4. And in 1 Timothy 2, 4, it said, Who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. It don't matter what culture you come from. It don't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what kind of God you're serving. 
He even gave that to um, Hitler. He wanted all men to be saved. It's not certain categories. He want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth is concerning Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection. Then in 1 Timothy 2, verse 6, it says, He gave himself as a payment to free all people, proof that came at the right time. So Jesus gave himself to save all people. God does not have any respectable person. He reigned on the just as well as the unjust. So know tonight that God loves us all and he don't want anybody to die in, in their sin. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow or late in doing what he promised, the way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. It said he's being patient. He does not want anyone to be lost but he wants all people to change their hearts and lives. So some people are saying, everybody is saying, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon. And they say, I'm so tired of hearing that. Why, why isn't he here? He is here. He's here living amongst you right now. Matter of fact, he's telling you, I don't want nobody to perish. I want everybody to have everlasting life. He's saying this. He said, this is why I'm delaying my second coming. He said, because I don't want nobody lost. He's given us time to accept the good news and the gospel. He's given you time because you don't know. You didn't know your beginning and you don't know your end. People are saying, when is he coming? When is he coming? He wants you ready before his coming. You can't wait till he come and then he's gone and then say, oh, okay, now I believe him. God wants you to believe this good news, this gospel now. Now is the time of salvation. He don't want anyone lost. 911, what's the emergency? Lost souls. And during this crisis, we have a lot of people that are still lost. And, and this is what I have noticed. When the world, uh, the world is so used to doing what they do, it's just like they said back in the days of Noah. They were out marrying, they were out partying, they were out doing all kind of stuff. Noah was a righteous man. He was getting the ark ready so, you know, they can come in that ark with them. But they didn't want to hear what Noah had to say because they felt like their life was so good that they didn't want to be shut up on no boat. <laughs> That's what it was. They want to still party. They want to still hang out. This reminds me of this crisis. People do not want to stay shut up in their homes because they're so used to doing what they were used to doing, going to the beach, partying, doing all kind of stuff that they should not be doing the way of the world, that they're having a hard time staying in the house. But when you have Jesus on the inside, that's where you find your contentment. That's where you find your rest. That's where you can say, God, I'm content with where I am because I know you're with me. So no matter where I am, you're here with me and I have that peace and I can be still. But a person that's not used to staying in the house is because they're so used to doing what the world does, they can't sit still. But when you're in your word, when you're before the Father, time just flies by and you don't miss something that you were never attached to. So many people are so attached to the stuff that you've been doing in the world that you don't want to go into the word of God and say, God, here I am. Speak to me, Lord. So that's how it was in the days of Noah. They were still doing things that 
they should not have been doing. But during this time that we have to be in our homes, y'all, this is a time to really connect. This is a time to be before the Father and say, Father, here I am. Father, speak to me. Father, show me what you would have for me to do at such a time as this. Father, show me how to reach the lost even where I am. Show me, God, show me my gifts. Show me my talent. Show me, God, what you want to show me doing this lockdown. God still has a way of doing things and it's past our finding out. But we have to go to him and ask God, what would you have me to do? People that are getting depressed is because they had their minds set on what the world does. Somebody have to always find something to do so they don't have to think. Because <laughs> sometimes when you begin to think about different things, it puts you in a, a depression. And the more you think about those things, it get deep. So you got to keep it moving because you just can't be still. Then some of us try to sleep it off. What do I mean by sleep it off? We try to find something to knock us out so we can get through that day and then wake up and start over again. But if you go into the word of God and allow the word of God to deal with you and deal with what you're going through, guess what? Whatever state you're in, just like Paul, he was content. He learned to be content because he knew that God was there with him. So we talked about that. God don't want anybody lost. He don't want them to perish. He want all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And number two is God loves us. When you know how much God loves you, you will be able to get through everything that you're going through. Jeremiah 31.3 says, Jeremiah 31.3 says, and this is his uh, expanded Bible. And from far away, the Lord appeared to his people and said, I love you people with a love that will last forever, eternal love. That is why I continue showing you kindness. The reason why the Lord was showing them kindness in, even in the midst of their mess, God could have wiped them out a long time ago. It was because he loved them, and he loved them with the everlasting love. So because that love was so everlasting, because it was eternal, the more they messed up, God was sh still showing them kindness. If you go through the word of God and you will see each time that they got in trouble, they would cry out to God. And I would be like, God, here they go again. They're crying out, but they're going to go. I I'm pulling a, a Jonah, y'all. Here they go again. They're crying out, but they're going to do the same thing, God. You know, you get so excited when you're reading the word of God because you're saying, okay, God's going to show mercy again, in which he does. They go right back into the fault. Same thing go back doing the same thing, and then when they feel like they had enough or when it's not working out on their behalf, they cry out again. Don't we do the same thing? We cry out. Lord, help me. He already done helped you through Jesus Christ. But the, more, the closer we get to God, you know, the more we get to know him and know his way of doing, y'all living a Christian life is not hard because when you have the nature of God in you, you're going to be tempted but guess what? Even in that temptation, you're going to know that Jesus, he resisted, you know, temptation. It tells you in Matthew, the fourth chapter, what Jesus did. Jesus brought on the word. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. The problem is we're not putting the word on it. We're putting everything else on it, but we're not putting the word on it. The word is what's going to bring life. And y'all, what I see is a Lysol can. <laughs> 
And when I said the word's going to bring life, I see a Lysol can. And people are spraying the Lysol can and saying, no evil shall befall me. No evil shall befall me. (laughs) You spraying Lysol and quoting the scripture. No evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come down my dwelling. Because he have given his angels charge over me. To keep me and guard me in all my ways. Then use up a whole can of Lysol. Now you say you're free. Now you say Jesus is helping you. That's not the way it works, y'all. See, when we take the word of God for what it is, that's our Lysol. When we take the word of God for what it is, that's our hand sanitizer. When we take the word of God for what it is, guess what? We are protected. Am I saying not to use your Lysol, your hand? No, I'm not. I'm saying that you don't make that your God. The Lysol and the hand sanitizer is not your God. This is how we know where we are when Christ has come. What are we grabbing? Are we using the word of God more than we're using these products? Y'all, we don't even know what's in these products. I done said this over and over again. We just pick it up and we use it. We go in the stores. We get food out the store. We don't know where they nasty hands been when they pack. Come on. When they're packaging up this food, we don't know. We don't know what people doing at McDonald's or when we agitate them at Bojangles. We don't know what they done slapped on our sandwich. We don't know. But what do we do? Father God, bless this food. Purify it. God, cleanse it of anything that's not of you. God, I'm so grateful that I have this food before me because I didn't have to cook it. In Jesus' name. We bless that food. You know why we bless it? Because we're setting it aside because it's going in our bodies. We're the temple. We don't give God any and everything. We don't. Everything, we're supposed to set it aside. We're supposed to speak over it. Why? Because it's in the world. Like we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we take what the world has created And what we do, we consecrate it. We set it aside. We give it to God for his glory. Amen? Because this is what we do. We don't know the designers. Some of the designers is making these clothes. Pocketbooks. Some of them we do know. That's why we set it aside. We consecrate it. Why? For him. When we know all of these things, we know all of these things because of being in the word of God, because of staying in close contact with him. So we talk about God loves us. John 3:16, we know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We will not be lost when we accept Jesus. We will not perish. God loved us that much he gave his very best which was his son. Romans 5:8 says, but God show shows and clearly proves his own love for us. By the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. Isn't that awesome, y'all? He loved us so much. We were still in our sin, but he still laid down his life for us. That's love. And this is what we should be telling people today. God is not a cruel God. Because if God poured out his wrath on us based on what we done, all of us would be dead. But it's because of the blood of Jesus that we're here today. And our righteousness is based on Jesus. It's not based on us. So we need to start looking to him 
and quit looking to us and others to solve our problems, our issues. They have already been solved by Jesus Christ. The last scripture is Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5, Amplified. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. But God so rich is he in his mercy because of in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love which he loved us. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him for. It is by grace, his favor and mercy, which we did not deserve, that we are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. So it's because of his grace and his mercy. God was so rich in mercy. He looked past our shortcomings. He looked past our faults. And he saw what we were in the need of. He said, y'all are in the need of a Savior. And I have to give my son on your behalf in order for you to be accepted in my kingdom. That's the love of God. So if God love us that much, y'all, we should love others, no matter what sin they're in. Some people look at homosexuals, they hate them. God does not hate the homosexuals. He love them, he hates sin. And we shouldn't look at homosexuals, we shouldn't look at murderers, we shouldn't look at homemongers, we shouldn't look at fornicators, or adulter, um, adulterer, or adulteress. Um, we should look at them the way God looked at them. God loved them in spite of. And we should love them in spite of what they do. And we should love them enough to give them this gospel, this good news, and let them know what God done for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So I'm saying today, church, let's be about our father's business. 911, what's your emergency? Lost souls. Y'all, it's lost souls out here. And I want to say this, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel um, 33, what was going on too here, once Ezekiel gave them that word, once he gave it unto them, he was the watchman. I want to say this, it is for us to deliver the word. We've done our part. Once we give them the word, we're giving them the opportunity. Faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. We don't have to keep beating them on the head. Just like when we call people up to this altar on Sunday, you know, those that, you know, heard the message that want to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we have them coming up because they're ready to open their heart unto him. But have you ever thought about the ones that's leaving out? <laughs> have they really accepted Jesus? Those could be the ones that are still lost. So we need to make sure that we're delivering this message the way God wants us to de deliver this message so we can reach the ones that's in the house on that day. And actually, I want to say this. The ones that should be in the house on, the day, on that day is the ones that we have already ministered salvation to. They should be coming into the house to be taught from then on out. It's our job to go out there and we bringing them in so they can be taught, so they can be learners of Jesus Christ, so they can be followers of Jesus Christ. But we know sometimes people show up on Sundays and we have to, you know, still preach Christ. So in that case, if one is missed, they can say, I'm ready to be saved. What must I do to be saved? 
So 911, what's the emergency lost soul? Church, it is time for us during this crisis. Don't wait till the crisis is over. From what we're hearing, people are dying. They are steady dying. But we want to make sure that the ones that I, I'm speaking this, I don't want nobody to die before their time. But we want to make sure that everybody, uh, they are followers of Jesus Christ, because we don't know the goat come, coming in nor the going out. But we want to make sure we do what God has called us to do. Amen. We're going to continue this teaching next week. 911, what is your emergency? Lost soul, souls, because we're believing on today that there are people out there that are lost, but they don't know that they're lost. And we're inviting them to come in. So I'm going to have Sister Denise on tonight to offer the plan of salvation to the lost on tonight because we want to make sure that everybody become followers of Jesus Christ, become disciples. Amen. Uh, the plan of salvation is first you have to realize that you are a sinner. And then you, as you read Romans 9, 10, and 9, and you ask God to come into your heart, all you have to do is believe that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And he died for our past, present, and future sins, and he rose on the third day. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. So repeat after me. I'm a sinner. God, come into my heart and save me, oh God. Because I believe that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. And I believe that he died for my past, present, and future sins. And he rose on the third day. And you are saved. Just keep believing in your heart and getting in God's word and find you a Bible teaching church if you don't already have one. But the key is stay in the word. And if you fall short, just get back on the saddle and get back in God's word and see what his plan and purpose is for you in your life. Amen. And don't leave this in this. And another thing that we want to do, we want to make sure, too, that once you have accepted Jesus, now the Holy Spirit, he has already baptized you into the body of Christ. But the baptism that's dealing with water is where you are recognizing that, you know, you're, you're recognizing that I'm born again, so when I go up under that water, it's saying that that old man has died. I'm being crucified with Christ. But when you rise up out of that water, that's your new life in Christ Jesus. So, you know, you go through that water baptism. But let's say that if Jesus come and we're still here and you haven't been baptized in that water, are you still going to be with Jesus? Yes, you are. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit, he's already done baptized you in the body of Christ. The water baptism is symbolic. We do want to do that, but if you don't have time to do that before you leave this world, quit allowing people to tell you that you're still going to die in your sins. No, you're not. But then after all of that, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues so you can be an effectual witness for Jesus Christ without the power coming upon you on high. Now, when you got born again, you got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's when you got the fruit of the Spirit. That's when it, you are identified as being um, God's child, God's son and daughter, because the Holy Spirit seals you until the day of redemption. But now that you are, you know, needing to go out and do a service unto God, you need the power of God to come upon you to be an effectual witness. Those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. So I'm going to ask Evangelist Newton just to come up here at this time, and she's going to minister that to Sister Denise to let y'all know. Remember, Sister Denise offered you the plan of salvation, and if you open up your heart um, and you accepted the death, the burial, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are born again. Now we want to do the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Um, as Apostle Amanda explained and as Sister Denise uh, explained, led you to salvation, um, they, they, uh, let, let, letting you know that once you become born again, you need the power gift. You need power to lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. You need power to cast out demons. You need power to become an effectual witness so that when you start expounding on the word of God, you would have the Holy Ghost speaking through you, helping you, and you have the Holy Ghost power to do everything. The Holy Ghost is your helper. He's your keeper, your teacher, and your guide. And it's a gift given to all born-again believers only criteria you need is to be born again and i praise god for the holy spirit even with the holy spirit when you read the word it's illuminated and you know you begin to um be in fellowship with him the more you pray and the more you uh read his word the more you worship and more you praise you have the holy spirit with you it's god the father god the son god the holy spirit all three are one. And the Holy Spirit is that precious gift that God left us. He said, Jesus said, I'm going to be with the Father, but I'm going to leave you a comforter. And the comforter is the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as Apostle uh, explained to us that the Holy Spirit is there to that when we become born again, he's, he's there with us then, and he's in our lives where there is a gift of the Holy Spirit that we need. It's the power gift. And the only thing you have to do, if someone give you a gift, what you do? Take you it. just take it. Amen. You say, thank you. Thank you. You don't have to do anything to receive it because it's a gift. It's not an it, it's a him. It's, the Holy Spirit is a him. He has a personality. He does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And uh, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. A lot of people are afraid because we say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. They're, they're the same, same thing. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, same person. So when you receive the gift, you know, you may begin to speak in other tongues. That's the Holy Ghost give utterance. We don't make this a, this a heavenly gift. And it's a marvelous gift. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And as I uh, uh, pray. Amen. We're social distancing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
you know, we only have to be close. Amen. Amen. We just, because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Amen. Amen. And you open up your heart to him. Have expectations to receive. You believe and you receive. And you may have somebody ask you sometimes, have you received since you believed? And so that's why we're asking you tonight, have you received since you believed? We're not just stopping at salvation, but we want the whole total package. Amen. So, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Open up your hearts. As I demonstrate with Sister Denise, uh, open up your hearts. You don't have to be in church. You could be anywhere. Just open up to to God and receive the free gift because it's a promise. The Holy Spirit is a promise. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the free gift, Father God. Lord, we thank you. You said after that we have become born again, we shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses unto all the world. We can be effectual witnesses, Father God. So as Sister Denise, as you you open up your heart, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Come upon me. Rise rise up in me. Holy fire. Have your way in me on tonight. Thank you for your free gift. Thank you for manifesting your presence in my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just have an expectation. Pray in sincerity. Excuse me for stumbling a little bit, but pray with expectation. Be thanking him as a matter of fact. And you, when you start feeling the moving on the inside, just allow God to have his way because that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. We give God glory for what he has done on tonight. And I believe that we have some out there that have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And after you have accepted him, I believe that um, if you accepted him with your whole heart and you believed in your heart that he died, he was buried, and he rose on the third day, you are saved. And if you repeat it after Evangelist Newton dealing with the Holy Spirit coming upon you, I believe that you already have that gift, and like she said, God will give you the spirit of utterance, and as you start working your tongue and your lips, then those words that's coming out of your mouth is not words that you come up with, but they're a heavenly language that God has given unto you. So you can call the ministry, go to our website at www.mtdm.org, and you can leave us your name. Um, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior on tonight, and if you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and if you need more information, get in contact with us. You can get in contact with us on Facebook as well. So we thank you again for joining us live on tonight. And until we meet again, know that we here at Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry love you with the love of God. God bless.